Welcome to the Safe Haven Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. The Safe Haven Podcast is a space for you to be real, raw, emotional, vulnerable, hilarious, and or completely carefree. This podcast offers a space for stories to be shared about the lights and darks, highs and lows of life, and a judgment-free zone. Join me and my powerful guests as we dive into a variety of conversations and topics. Listen from where you are, as you are. Think, laugh, and cry along with us, whether you're in your car, in your kitchen, chasing your kids, running your business, caregiving for someone that you love, getting a mani-pedi, while you're in the hospital, a treatment center, sitting on the deck, on the dock, or out for a run. These weekly stories and messages will hit you right in the heart, fill up your cup, and recharge your spirits. Joining me today in Bali at our friend Juliet's house is Mayanna Welch. And Mayanna Welch is here. Um, actually, funny enough, we only just met three days ago, didn't we? Which is so cool. that it's we so crazy. I know. And you are from the States. I'm going to let you take it away because um, <laughs> we talk so naturally together and we really hit it off. And it was really cool, actually. I will start there that um, Dorian who is a mutual friend of ours, mm -hmm. was the one who had told me about you because when we were in Ubud, you know, you were two were speaking on the phone and having a chat. And when she got off the phone, she's like, oh my gosh, you have to meet my friend, Mayanna. Yeah. And then it was so neat too because I was just walking to Sunset and yeah. you were just getting into your house. And I kind of did a double take at the door. I was like, Yo. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> hey, um, I can't remember your name, but yeah. are you Dorian's friend? And yeah. you're like, yes. Who are you? <laughs> Who is this girl who knows me? <laughs> I know, but it worked out really well. So um, having, you know, gotten to know you a little bit, even in the last two days, it was really neat because we were just able to go out and I said, do you want to do lunch tomorrow? You're like, yeah. yeah. And we went and we had mm -hmm. like, a, did you look at the clock? It was two and a half hours. No, I didn't realize mm -hmm. that's how long we were talking for. I know. And then we came back here in the Crazy. pool, hung out, and we've basically just like hung out for several hours yeah. since we met. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I think the time passed really fast because we had so much in common. It was mm -hmm. ridiculous. Agreed. Like, I would say something and you'd be like, me too. And then you would say something and I'd be like, me too. Yeah. And I was like, this is just too many me too's. I know. I can't keep up. Like, I know. are we the same person? Right. I'm just like your Asian version. Soul sisters. <laughs> Soul craziness. sisters for sure. <laughs> Definitely. And um, if you want, actually, just because you've even mentioned, you know, the... Asian, Asian yeah. soul sister of mine type thing. Mm -hmm. Let's start there. So where did you grow up? What's your background? Tell oh, us a little yeah. bit about that. Okay, so I grew up in Saipan and um, then I was also in Guam for a lot of that. And that, if you don't know where that is, it's out in the Pacific, out towards, um, you know, where Philippines and Japan is, we're kind of like right in between. And so I grew up with a really uh, heavy Asian influence growing up. And um, my mom is Micronesian, Hawaiian, and my dad is white from Utah. And um, I just grew up in a really diverse household where I just saw how different my parents were and how they like worked together regardless of how different they were as, as you know, fundamental humans. They grew mm -hmm. up on completely different sides of the earth and I, they had a lot of arguments and they had like a lot of differences, but in the end, uh, it always works. And so it just kind of gave me like an understanding of how to be extremely understanding and extremely, I don't know what the word would be, but I just really understand differences in people. And that's why I love traveling so much and meeting people from different places mm -hmm. because I'm just so used to having a lot of differences with people. 
And yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So where did you spend the majority of your time growing up then? Saipan. In Saipan. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then, but now when I had spoken to you, when we met the other day, you were just coming back from San Diego. Yes. So you, you travel around a lot. A lot. Yeah. So, well, I grew up in Saipan at the age of 17. I left, I went to um, San Francisco and I spent the summer there, got my first job working at Target, and I was a Target like sale associate where yeah. I would help people find things. And it was really cool. I was really excited to be in the States. And then um, I went to college in Hawaii. And while I was in Hawaii... Um, what did you take in college? Um, I did finance and economics, and I minored in Japanese. And Very cool. I know. I, so I speak Japanese, and um, I learned Japanese because when I was, uh, I think I was nine or 10 or 11, I was, I was at that age where they allow you to start getting like summer jobs. And, um, no, I must've been like 14. There's no way I was 11. So, um, they allow you to start getting summer jobs. And so I remember I was signing up and they're like, oh, okay, uh, what languages do you speak? I'm like English. And they're like, okay, well you can get paid $5 an hour. I was like, well, what's the difference if I speak another language? Like, well, if you speak Japanese, you get paid $15 an hour. And I was like, went straight home and I was like, mom, dad, I need to take Japanese lessons. And I just signed up for Japanese at school. And next thing you know, I was like speaking Japanese fluently. And I was just like, it's just math guys. Of course I'm going to learn Japanese. So good for you. How is your Japanese now? Um, you know, I think if I spent at least a couple weeks in Japan, I'd be fluent again, but um, I just spending so much time in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I just haven't practiced, and Scott has. Last time I spent a lot of time in Japan has to have been at least five, six years. Mm. So it's it's definitely something that will get rusty. I could still write, I could still read, but it just things just come a little slower. So very Jap- cool. <laughs> Japan trip soon. Like, yeah, really. Let's go. <laughs> let's just go. <laughs> Uh, okay, so college in Hawaii, mm-hmm. and then where did life take you after that? Um, okay, so I had a very serious relationship in, in college, and I thought I was in love, and I was like, this is the guy I'm going to marry, everything's going to be perfect, and he was amazing, I was so happy, and you know, we're still friends today, which is cool, but um, I was just, I was so Mormon, I was so religious, and he wasn't, and at the end, he was like, I don't know if I can do this. My whole world shattered. I graduated miserable. <laughs> I was like, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, they offered me jobs with like Goldman Sachs and um, a bunch of like high, highly reputable um, finance companies. And I just was so sad that I just wanted to do something stupid, something different. And so I got offered a modeling contract in Hong Kong and by some like uh, agency that was tied to my agency in Hawaii and it was like kind of like a no-name agency not even big and I was like yeah let's go mm-hmm. so they bought my ticket out and I went out and I stayed at like model housing and I did the whole modeling thing and it was crazy I had my first drink yeah. <laughs> like then you know kind of went downhill from there so my parents will kill me if they ever knew but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I just kind of had more of like life experiences because I was in a bubble for so long I was right. always like you know my school was religious I grew up religious and um being like the oldest everyone kind of said like I was the example and I set the example for everyone else so I was so scared to make a mistake I was always like I graduated top of my class in college I graduated with a full scholarship and everything and everyone just expected me to be perfect all the time so when I graduated I was like I can't do this like I'm like 
my perfect man is gone. My perfect life is gone. I just want to do something stupid. And that's what I did. Well then. Yeah. Holy, eh? But I mean, even, even after your time there, you continued modeling for quite a while, didn't you? Yes. So um, I did my contract in Hong Kong. That one ran up. And then I took another one in New York. And that was pretty cool. And um, then I... Then I took one in L.A., and then in L.A., that's when I started to lose my love for modeling because mm. it was very different. The environment in L.A. was not like Hong Kong at all. Like, I'd go to casting calls, and, like, the casting directors would hit on me, and, like, it'd make me really uncomfortable. And, like, I just noticed that L.A. just had a very different vibe, a very different format. Like, call me crazy. Maybe it's better now, but I just – I don't see it improving, and it just – it just was like kind of like a killer for my love for modeling. Mm-hmm. So I started, I took a job and I started working at a talent agency and, um, United talent agency. And that's when I kind of stuck to that job for about a year. Then I moved over to marketing and I would just model like on the weekends, but, um, modeling was just kind of going onto the back burner. I just realized like at that time I must've been like 25, no, 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 22, 23, And, like, when you're in the modeling agency or in the modeling world, like, when you hit, like, 23, you start really thinking about where you want to go with your career because you're not getting younger and you're not getting – it's not, like, a job that you can get uh, promotions in. Like, you can't get promoted. Like, model status A, now model status B, model status – like, there's nothing like that. It's not a career. Mm -hmm. So that's when I kind of, like, started to think about more, like – of my future and that's why I started to get into um marketing and go back into my industry what you know what I studied for okay and then so where did marketing specifically take you then well um marketing took me to Deutsch which is like one of the top marketing companies in LA but um it was just getting really hard to like work so much and I was also having like a lot of like um I just recently got diagnosed with endometriosis. And so I was getting a lot of the symptoms right around that time. And I think I was like 23, 24. So it was really hard to like, I don't know, keep everyone happy at work. So I was an assistant and that's where you kind of start out. You start out as an assistant and then you get promoted to like other jobs. So like I had to be like, make sure everything was organized, make sure like, you know, tickets were booked, make sure that, you know, the, the CEO had everything ready and Like, when I would have days where I would have my time of the month, I would just be, like, done. My brain was fried. Everything Mm -hmm. was fried. I was tired. I couldn't focus. And so I found it very difficult to do a good job. So I ended up leaving because I just – I had a feeling that it just wasn't going to work out. The kind of job that they had me doing was just so detail-oriented and so demanding that I knew I couldn't keep up. So I actually left that job. And then in between that time and me leaving that job and um, I I think I like ended up living off of my savings for like a couple of weeks and then I met another guy Mm -hmm. who I fell madly in love with. He lived in San Diego and I ended up moving down there to be with him because he was like the most beautiful man I've ever seen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And your time in San Diego, what kept you busy in San Diego? Well, so when I first moved down to San Diego, um, a lot of it was just like hanging out, making new friends, um, you know, just getting like the lay of the land. And I had like a couple projects that I would work on and me and the guy I met, we kind of like moved pretty quickly. So 
um, I started helping him because his his ex left. <laughs> so his ex left him, and um, like his finances, everything was just like a complete mess. <laughs> and so I, having majored in finance, I told him I would take care of all of his financial stuff. So I basically became his assistant. I took care of all of his financial stuff. I like called all his credit cards, saved him a ton of money, and organized everything for him. And that just kind of Personal like, assistant style. Yeah, pretty much. I pre- and then like I was cooking. I was like being incredibly domesticated. And I was just loving it. I was yeah. loving it. Yeah. It'd, so. be, it'd be a bit different, I guess, from you having been, you know, chasing the modeling thing for a little while and then through the marketing. It's a, a complete switch. Complete switch. Yeah. Complete switch. Yeah. Timing-wise, when, when that was a few years ago now. Six. It has to be like six years now. Six years. Yeah, six years. Okay, so I'm going to jump ahead here. Yep. Because, because when you and I started speaking and I was asking you more about, you know, well, we're in Bali right now. I know this yeah. is going to release in the fall, but we're currently sitting in Bali right now. I know. Amazing. And, right? <laughs> I know. And when you were coming to Bali, like that in itself is a, is a big jump. And Huge. So I, I'd really like for you to not, not speed ahead, but I'm, because I'm super keen on your yeah. story about entrepreneurship and um, your businesses. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go there because yeah. I am... I admire you so greatly for oh. that. <laughs> well, um, honestly, it's been my dream to start businesses since I can remember. Like, my parents did little, little like, businesses, and I've always just – it's always just been my dream. So I've had, like, dreams of doing, like, a bikini company, and then I did the, I looked into that, and it just didn't make sense because it's so cyclical, and, like, um, living in San Diego, it just didn't make sense mm-hmm. because it's just – you'd have to branch off into, like, an entire brand. And then um, I wanted to do like workout clothes, and but everyone was doing workout clothes, and it was just like so overly saturated that, that you can get like workout pants for a dollar if you go to like, um, I don't know, like those um, you, you'll you'll know what I mean when mm. <laughs> like they have those like stock releases and stuff. Um, and then I just like always wanted to start a business, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And then um, one day I got a call that my sister, who's my adopted older sister, she passed away giving birth to one of her children. She was out in Kitty Bus when that happened. So her children weren't U.S. citizens. So like just without even thinking, I was like, I had just dropped everything. Like I just told the, I just told the guy I was seeing, I was like, I have to go to Guam. I'm sorry. Like this is like an emergency and I don't know how long I'll be there, but I have to get these kids onto U.S. soil. And I was like, you can stay or you can come. I was just kind of at that point where I was like, it's up to you. Like, this, if you love me, you can come with me. If you don't, that's fine. It was, wasn't meant to be. He followed. And so went out to Guam. And um, while I was there, finally got the kids onto U.S. soil after a year of just paperwork and just money and paperwork, which kills me because, you know, it for the people who do it the correct way to get people onto U.S. soil with U.S. passports, it's really a lot of work, a lot, a lot of work. So um, that whole process just really put, like, um, immigration, everything into perspective for me. And while I was out there, I was like, well, while I'm here, I should probably do something. And that's when I started my first company, and that was the, the jewelry brand. And it's a luxury jewelry brand that I started. It's the first of its kind, and um, it's native and indigenous to the islands of the Pacific. 
And I just basically wanted to be the, you know, the Cartier of the Pacific, you know, the exotic Tiffany & Co., like what, what you can get out there. And so I started that company and we're making sales and it was doing well. And while I was doing that, like a bunch of people asked me to run for Miss Universe. And I was like, I mean, why the hell not? Like, um, I just, there was just nothing saying no. And so they said run for Miss Universe. And so I, I did. And then I freaking won. And it's amazing. amazing. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Yeah. And then I ended up rep representing my country at, you know, Miss Universe 2017. And I had an amazing platform. In was, Vegas. Yep. In Vegas. And my platform was obviously um, helping uh, immigration and equality, you know, and because I was doing so much with my um, with my nieces and nephews who are now basically my children, but they're my children under my parents. So if anything happens, they can't take care of them. I will take care of them. So yeah, freaking a lot happened in Guam. I, I was signing like endorsement deals and um, finally creating something like the business like was real. It was like, it had a logo. It had like products it had marketing it had everything and so that was kind of like a place where I really blossomed as like an entrepreneur and my dreams to do this came to pass it was awesome the name of your brand and company is so beautiful definitely elaborate on that okay um so there is a there is an ancient story uh folklore of how how the universe came to pass and so there are, there's a brother and a sister, Fuuna and Puntan. And Fuuna and Puntan were just beings of the universe. And they came to this rock and Puntan was like, I think I can make this beautiful. And he's like, I need your help. So Fuuna, his sister, helps him, pulls his body apart to create the sun, the moon, the stars, the ocean. And then what was left of him, he laid out into the ocean and made like land and trees and birds and animals. And um, finally, when his creation was complete, Fuuna sat back and looked at it and she said that this was the most, she just thought to herself, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And then she became sad because she was like, um, there's, there's no one to share this beauty with. So she laid her body down to create the first humans. And that's why I named it Fuuna because it's about humanity and bringing people together and enjoying the beauties of life with humans, your friends and your family. That is so, so beautiful. I know. And I also know that there's some exciting <laughs> it looks news. looks like your eyes water. And when I see people's well, eyes water, mine water. <laughs> yeah. I just, I love the fact that I've been meeting so many people through the endeavor of this podcast and just yeah. through my travels in general, solo travels, that are pursuing their dreams and oh, yeah, chasing totally. their goals. And go, girl. Yeah. Because also share your next exciting news about the fact that you just got a contract like oh that. yeah and it's yeah girl, like you have you're like a mixed bag of goodies i know just like a little just yeah. random what what is that lucky charms or just random yeah marshmallows well, yes you're finding it. <laughs> it's always different yeah um yeah so it's been a year since i started fauna and um we just got our first contract to retail at duty-free shopping stores so i'm putting together um basically a display. I'm trying to get the artwork done. Like my true talent is in the creative side. So mm -hmm. creating the display is really um, taking up a lot of my uh, excitement, like a lot of mm -hmm. my, my creative energy. And I'm just, I feel really fulfilled when I'm working on it. Right. So yeah. So, and 
but then they've also kind of said to you, you've got like a, you've got one year, show us what yes. you've got. And yes. then what's next step for that? Uh, Japan. Yeah. Yeah. And that's <laughs> where it's going to go. It's going to be in Japan. Come I, on. I have no doubt in my mind yeah. that I will get there. Tell us a bit even about the brand itself. You've got a, a necklace, you've got mm-hmm. a bracelet, earrings, and a ring. Yes. So I basically have one of everything. Ring, bracelet, necklace, and earrings. And um, I have a variable. I have variables on all of them, like the bracelets. We have like black diamonds on yellow gold. We keep it really, really exotic and um, luxurious. So we only use real diamonds, real, you know, real gold. We don't use anything that like will color your skin green. It's basically you're shopping at Cartier, but it's called Fuuna. Mm-hmm. And um, because I wanted to be able to compete with them because my jewelry stall will be right next to these stores. So I wanted to make sure that it was as high-end as possible. Um, Unfortunately, I'm going to have to change my prices because I was pricing it for friends and family and what I think people could afford. So when I went to DFS, they were like, we're going to have to mark this up a lot. And I was like, okay, guys, buy it now before it goes up. Because that's how it is when you go to Tiffany. You're you're really just paying for that retail space and for that that white glove service. And so um, I'm learning a lot, but I'm also really excited to, you know, create this living, breathing um, company. And I'm really just I'm just really excited to see where it goes. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. You have a lot to be excited for. Yeah. I'm yeah. I really admire that honestly. Thank you. Now with the marketing aspect of it. You're also marketing things for lashes, lashes and, makeup. and makeup. Yes, I tell am. us about your passion in all things glam. Mm. Well, okay, this girl lights up when we say the word glam. I know. <laughs> I love, 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 love glam. All things glam. I will do a vampire facial on the whim because I am crazy, and I, <laughs> I will try anything. What is a vampire facial? It's, it's that microneedling oh, I told you about where my yes. face was completely bloody and I had to run errands and my face was covered in blood for like a whole day and people were freaking out and kids were They crying. put a whole bunch of needles all through over your all face and then it face. helps put collagen in the holes in your face. Collagen. See, I know like, these things now because I told you. Yeah. <laughs> so like I, I just love glam and like I mean I've been actually I did pageantry since I was 16 and I got into it because I actually was an athlete. I got injured. I had nothing to do. So I was like, heck, I'll just do pageants and and like theater. So I actually won Miss Teen in my country when I was 16. No, I was 15. I don't know. But I was putting on fake lashes and putting on eyeshadow and doing the eyebrows and the hair at 15. And um, to me, it wasn't, I didn't feel like I was being like a beauty pageant person or that I was like a makeup person I saw myself as an artist I was like I can take these colors and I can take this and I can you know change the way my hair curls I can like play with colors on my eyes play with colors and like it was like it was like a transformation of like portraying um a certain look through makeup so like you can do like a smoky cat eye look and it was very like edgy and or you could do like a really like sparkly like ethereal look and I just loved makeup so much and um, I took that love with me like I would I would just research the heck out of makeup I was just like a connoisseur I always had too much of it and finally one day I was like I'm gonna get certified as a makeup artist even though I had my degree and stuff and like it sounds ridiculous I did I got certified and then um, ended up working with a couple companies on 
that I kind of, you know, I'm an ambassador for. So one of them is eyelashes. Mm -hmm. And um, I wear eyelashes all the time because I am part Asian and sometimes I feel like my eyes get a little small in the mornings and so I'm always like, I need lashes. So I always wear lashes, but that glue would stick to my lids. I would have puffy eyes the next day. My eyes would get really red and I already have really sensitive eyes. If I'm even out in the sun, they will get all like red and, and itchy and too much gluten make my eyes. I just like can't, I can't even like with my eyes, it has to be as gentle as possible. So that doesn't stop me though. I put lashes on like every other day. Yeah. And it was, you know, love hate relationship. I looked beautiful, but then I'd suffer <laughs> while I looked beautiful. <laughs> I didn't. So then um, I saw this company that did magnetic eyelashes. And so I bought these eyelashes and I put them on and they were terrible because they were like two lashes that clamped together over your lashes. And that just didn't work. And so I was like, magnetic lashes. I would feel heavy. Yeah. It was, it was like two, it was like two magnets clamping over your, your lashes. And I was just like, how does I, that's not possible. There's no way that works. I bought it. It was a waste of money. I had to throw it away. And then I saw another commercial for magnetic lashes and I was just like, oh my God, here we go again. And then, uh, I looked at it and was like, oh, it's completely different. It's eyeliner that's magnetized, and then the lashes just stick to the eyeliner. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting really excited. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. So um, I ordered some, and then I found out the CEO lived in San Diego where I lived. So I was just on cloud nine. Mm -hmm. I met them, and I was like, I want to work with you. And they're like, sure. Like, do you like lashes? I'm like, do I like lashes? <laughs> um, let's just say I wear them every day. If mm -hmm. I could, I would have them like, you know, I'd have permanent eyelash extensions if they didn't make your eyelashes fall out. I love lashes. And I've always been looking for an alternative. So got these. They're called Moxie Lashes. And they're basically, you put on liner and then the lashes can go on and off all day. Waterproof, smearproof, smudge proof. A little bit of oil takes it off. Good to go. Amazing. Yeah. And I've seen these babies in action. Yeah. And I yeah. have some to try out. So exactly. I'm stoked about that. I've just, I never would have ever thought that the eyeliner itself could be magnetized in a way that these little light, dainty little things. Tiny little lashes. Click to it. Mm -hmm. It is so fascinating. It literally just clips in. Like mm -hmm. kind of like when you like throw a magnet at a fridge and it just like plop, like it clicks onto yeah. the fridge. It's the exact same thing. It just clips into your the liner, and it's amazing. It's it works. so neat. It works, and I yeah. do not think highly of things that don't work. Like I will not say anything. The second I found out that these worked, I was like, "How do how do I get in with this?" You know the industry too. Mm -hmm. You know. Oh yeah. Glam. Talk about. I get so excited now. <laughs> Talk about Color Me Pure. Tell us about oh, that. Oh, cool. Well, Color Me Pure is a is a makeup. Um, well, it's a makeup company I started and um, I did it because I became certified as a makeup artist as you know and then um, I just started like buying all these like products that were like hev heavily marketed so like you know Huda Beauty and, and like Kat Van D and all and like all these really expensive like really heavily marketed brands I was buying and I was just noticing I'd look at the ingredients and I just wasn't happy with the ingredients like it would make you know, clients break out. Um, there were like, pro there was like ingredients in there that were in incredibly toxic. And I was just like, I was going through everything and I was like, man, a lot of this makeup is really, really, really bad for you. And then I found out that the regulations on cosmetics is almost non-existent. People were, you can put, you can literally put whatever you want into cosmetics in America. It's not so bad in Canada. Canada has like maybe 
I don't know, hundreds of more laws and regulations on their cosmetics. But in America, I think there's only like 11. Wow. So few, so few. There's basically like don't put poison in this stuff. But other than that, like have fun. So there's like eyeliners with like fragrance. And when there's something, when it's labeled fragrance, might as well be another hundred ingredients because fragrance is um, basically people are allowed to write fragrance on products and not list what the ingredients are because it's considered trademarked. So fragrance, they found a ton of things like fragrance and eyeliner. Like that explains why your eyes are reacting and your eyelashes are falling out Mm -hmm. and you know, you get all of this crazy stuff happening. You break out in acne and like all of this is reactions to these chemicals that are on your skin that are just reacting. So, um, so I created color me pure because I wanted to just like shed all that gunk out and like completely eliminate products that will react or cause, you know, I mean, you know, parabens is like one of the main ingredients in most cosmetics and lotions and hair products and like everything. And you put these parabens on your eyes, on your lips, on your skin. It's just so much of it. And there's one study done where, um, there was a bunch of girls in Berkeley and they did it at the, they did a study up in Berkeley where they took, um, a handful of girls who were using cosmetics and not like heavy, heavy makeup, just like basic and lotions. And they took them and they, they stripped their, their vanity. They completely replaced everything with non-paraben, non-hormone disrupting products. And they tested their urine, you know, before then. And then they tested it after they swapped everything out. I think it was like a couple weeks after. And the amount of toxins and parabens in their urine went down by 70%. That means that all of that stuff you're putting on you is ending up in your system. It is going through your 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 like your organs, through your bloodstream. It's going in, it's getting into your urine. Like how do you think it's happening when you put it on your skin and it ends up in your urine? Yeah. It's going through your body. Ooh. And they're finding like, you know, in breast tumors, they're finding like parabens is like one of the things that are appearing there and it's not a naturally occurring um, substance in our body. It's just there's so many things like deodorants. It's just it kills me. So I created Color Me Pure so that we could strip down all the nonsense and find products that are comparable. So just say you love that NARS blush. Well, I can find you a NARS blush that it's clean. It may not be NARS and it may not be exactly the same, but it is the closest um, swap you can make. And that's what Color Me Pure um, is about. It's about swapping out your vanity taking out all those toxic ingredients, taking out all that marketing, all of that nonsense, and completely giving you a clean start. So is it sourcing the best product? Is it, yes. So it's sourcing the best product as opposed to creating it itself. It's just yes. helping source it. Okay. Yeah. So basically I work with brands that um, I personally seek out. So there's like a handful of companies that are making really clean makeup. But you have to be careful because um, when you start buying clean makeup, if you are acne prone and that makeup has oil or coconut oil in it, it will make you break out more. And so that's kind of where my expertise comes in. You know, my sister is a medical esthetician, so we work together and um, I basically match products that are clean to your skin and help you like make the best choice to keep you healthy and younger looking all the time. And that's basically what Color Me Pure is. So I work with these brands and um, I don't use all of their products because not all their products are the greatest. So I pick and choose the things that are the best and I try them out myself. I make sure they work and I make sure the pigments are good, make sure the colors are great. Because I am a makeup artist and I work with the best products, I can I can like smell a bad 
application from a mile away. If that foundation does not go on smooth, I will not put it onto a, a vanity kit or a vanity kit or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's super interesting. And having worked in the modeling industry as well mm-hmm. too, you'd see the goods and the bads. Yes. Right? Yeah. Funny thing is when I was modeling, um, for some reason I always had breakouts and it was because these makeup artists were putting bad products on my face because they didn't care about your skin. They just cared about making you look temporarily good. Mm-hmm. So I, for a while I was just like, I just have bad skin. And, um, then I stopped, I stopped when I stopped modeling and just like sw- started using my own stuff and choosing like cleaner products completely clear. I didn't have a breakout since. It's the craziest thing. Like, you'd be so surprised. It wasn't just um, breakouts from the cosmetics. It was breakouts from the hormone disruptors in your products, from, like, poor diet. There's just, like, so many things that go into it. But the first place you can start is by cleaning out your cosmetics, your lotions, your shampoo, your conditioner, um, all of that. That's, like, that's like step one. Step two is, you know, take, making the life choices to be a healthier person. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so many. They could dig it deep. We into can go the forever that. with that one, but I know. You know, I start with the superficial level. Well, mm-hmm. I'll put all of the all of the the places that people could actually contact you or reach out. So anything Definitely. from Fauna, Moxie, um, even from Color Me Pure, I can put that at the bottom of these podcast notes. Oh, for amazing. my listeners, amazing, yes, yeah. Yes. So that they can actually reach out and follow your accounts, mm-hmm. follow your story, yeah. check out the websites and all of that, and especially be able to see your products. So awesome. that'll be really, really great. And awesome. reach out if they have questions too. Yeah, honestly, I I find most of my joy is in talking to people mm-hmm. and helping people. Um, maybe it's just because I'm an older sibling and I'm so used to taking care of like my younger siblings. Like I just have an innate desire to really help people live better lives and like make better decisions because there is so much crap out there and I just am an obsessive researcher. Mm -hmm. So, um, I promise that the stuff that I find and the stuff that I recommend are going to be, you know, top of the line Mm -hmm. and like cutting edge and I just don't settle for anything less. Yeah. We've like, I was just looking at the clock. I was like in 34 minutes, we have hit so many crazy things already. And I was just like, okay, so, you know, Guam and Saipan and then we've got the USA, we've got parents, we've got family, we've got adoption, we've got your sister passing, we've got, you know, your multi-businesses, we've got your relationships, we've got so many different things. Endometriosis, Uh, uh, Miss Universe, Miss Teen, like crazy, crazy mixed bag. I know. Let's go back to, um... Miss Universe, because really, what does that entail? Oh my gosh, so much. Honestly, like, how did it even start? Let's start. Like, you decide that you're gonna take people's suggestion and go for it. Go for it. Okay. And then once I set my mind to something, I don't back down. So, like, for the Miss Universe in Guam, it was actually quite a crazy time because that's when North Korea was threatening to bomb Guam, and like everyone was like on alert, and they were doing like these pamphlets. So, like, they decided to run the pageant, and then, like, a bunch of girls dropped out because they were all scared, and they were, like, leaving island, and then they're like, okay, the pageant's off. And I was like, no, it's not. So, I was like, I am already here. I already bought my evening gown. We're, like, months out, like, a month out or so. So, it was just like this, like, it's on, it's off, it's on. And then, finally, when it was on, there was only, like, three of us, and um, the craziest part, it was only three girls that ran in my year, and usually there's, like, you know... 40, 30, I don't know. It, the numbers go up. In Korea, they have like 5,000 girls running for Miss Universe. So um, I was like, dang, three, this is crazy. But you know what? We're already, I'm already here. So we did the pageant, and um, for the first time in history, the girl that ran with me, she was one of my best friends. 
and she was only doing it for me. And she ended up winning Miss, Miss International and she went to Miss International in Japan and she placed top and she won Miss Oceania. The first time in history Guam has placed and done that well in that pageant. And then I went to Miss Universe and then um, I got a, a personal shout out from the host as like one of the most powerful contestants that year and that, you know, it was just like, it was just success after success. And to think that such oh, a small, wow. yeah, <laughs> such a small batch of girls did the best that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it just really shows that it's all about passion. It's all about like, you know, having your heart in it. And I just remember when I was doing it, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to set my mind on it. And, um, you know, I went to like schools and I was giving speeches. I was talking to children. It was like a great time to be an ambassador and I, that's, I think that's what really sparked me to have my first successful business was because I saw all these younger people looking up to me and I was like, what would I want them to look up to? You know, what do I want them to aspire to be? And that really lit the match under my, my ass and it made me like, yeah. I like went and I got the jewelry made and I got everything done. I got like the business license and I was just like, then I wasn't messing around. And I think that pressure from being in such, um, kind of like an influential position to my people, you know, the people I grew up with, like these islanders who are minorities, who like get intimidated by the thought of America or the thought of traveling. They're just, they get a little scared, which I totally understand because I was the same way. So I wanted to like empower them and make them feel like you can do anything. And look at me, I came from here too. And still like, there's there's nothing I can't do if I want it. If I want it bad enough, I can do it. So that's kind of what, you know, lit me, I lit that fire under me, mm-hmm. got me going. You know, I have always have wanted this. I've always wanted to do this, but sometimes it takes looking at yourself from someone else's perspective to really get you going and really help you believe in yourself because we're hard on ourselves. Like we're mm-hmm. like, what are you thinking? What are you doing? It's not going to succeed. Why are you doing this? But then when you look at yourself from like, a little kid and they're like, wow, you're my inspiration. I want to be like you. You're like, oh, shh. (laughs) I got to be worthy of their admiration. I have to be something awesome. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's what got me. That's what, that's how Miss Universe was to me. It wasn't about like the glam, which obviously I love the glam. It was really about being someone that someone that other people can look up to. And like, I wanted parents to be like, yeah, we want our kids to look up to you. And like, I wanted like children to be like, like, yeah, that's what I want to be. Like when I was volunteering, there was like a typhoon that hit Saipan. I was volunteering to help like, um, chainsaw like trees off of people's homes and help people, you know, clear up places. Um, all these little girls were just like following me, like, like Mm. a stampede. And they're all like, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. And this girl's like, when I grow up, I want to be a volunteer. (laughs) I was like, which is beautiful. Oh, that was so cute. And I was like, I was like, girl, you don't have to grow up to do that. That yeah. is something you can do whatever you want. And she's right like, now. Yeah. She's like, oh, cool. And she was like helping pick up rocks and throwing them. And like, you know, people don't realize that you are an inspiration to someone at all times. And mm-hmm. that's what Miss Universe was to me. It was doing that. The other day by the pool, you mentioned something about how when you look at the flip, you know, or the differences in your life growing up mm-hmm. to the life that you live now. Can you shed some light on that? Um, yeah. So growing up, um, both my parents were teachers, which, you know, should be sufficient. But then I had five brothers and sisters. 
there are so many of us and so we grew up like really really poor and um you know it's like what what do you mean poor like poor as in like I had to do like the what is that the the lunches where you pay a quarter there's like the subsidized lunches Mm -hmm. and so I had like subsidized lunches um yeah it was it was it was hard and then um I started becoming really successful at swimming and I like I was getting like triple A times I was qualifying I had Olympic qualifying times and so like a lot of the parents who were in the swim clubs were very wealthy and so they're like um we should get this girl into the private school and get her like involved and so um I ended up testing into one of the most elite private schools in Saipan and um I was basically sponsored because of how good of a swimmer I was and um it was just it was hard because then I wasn't I wasn't like everyone else I was Mm -hmm. like everyone had new cars and new like shoes and new everything and I was like oh crap is this what it's like to be rich because I'm not like that at all and um, I would invite the kids over to my house and like no one would show up because the parents were like you can't play (laughs) what is it it can't (laughs) I was gonna try not to cry for this but yeah the the parents wouldn't let their kids come over because I was too poor (laughs) and it was really sad you're allowed to get emotional. <laughs> I can hold space for you, girlfriend. No. It's just such a contrast when you look at how can parents tell their kids, I know. you can't be friends with this person. I also remember from what you shared the other day that not only were they telling you that they couldn't be friends with you because you were poor, but they were also telling you to swim slower because their son couldn't keep up. Yeah, exactly. Like as if there was that much like negativity really just brought around such young I young know. kids and in their dreams crazy you know yeah. what it like I just remember and so I know I told you the story but I remember like um when I think it was like my friend's parents and I was telling them I was like yeah I invited everyone over and no one showed up and she's like um you know why they didn't show up I was like why they're like is it because your parents don't have any money I was like whoa that sucks and it really hurt my feelings and that night I I prayed for, like, mm. a job, and it was the crazy, like, I think, like, a 12-year-old shouldn't have to pray for a job so she can make money, but that's what I did. I prayed, and then the next day, I got my first, it was the crazy, actually, the, the, how that happened, it was, like, the craziest thing, so I prayed that night, and I was like, please help me get a job so I can make money and not be poor, and then the next day, um, these people came to our school, and they're like, we're looking for a swimmer. I was like, well, I'm a swimmer. But there was a lot of swimmers, you know. And the swim team was in my school. And they're like, we need a swimmer who looks like this. And um, it was basically a model that they were flying in from Russia to be uh, the model in this music video for this famous Korean artist. And he was, he was like all the rage, like huge time artist, came out because he was going to film his music video. And the model couldn't swim. <laughs> and she had to do all these underwater scenes so um, I remember I was like, holy crap. And they're like, oh, her. So they chose me. And so I went to go do this this modeling job. And I remember I saw the model and I was like, I look like her. Why don't they just hire me to do the whole thing? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I should model and do this because it didn't make sense. I, we looked the same. We were both tall and like slender. I, maybe I was a little more buff because I was a swimmer. But yeah. still, we were very similar looking. And then um, I remember I made like a couple grand and that was like the most money I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, this is crazy. My parents were like, we're going to set up 
um, a bank for you and set this all up. And you know, it's just really funny how, oh crap, there goes my nose. <laughs> but it's just really funny how I think that you, if you want something bad enough, you can manifest it. Yes. You can make it happen. And yeah, I mean, that was my first experience at modeling. And then next thing you know, I was modeling like for Chanel and Cartier and Ferragamo and um, just at the local uh, DFSs and, you know, where the, the Japanese would come in and, um, you know, all my friends that were too rich to hang out with me were like, they were, they were envious. They were, they weren't like, I thought it would make them my friends because I was doing so well and that I wasn't poor anymore. And then they still didn't like me because I was now successful. Mm. And then I, you know, I got full ride to scholar, uh, full ride scholarship to college and it just, you know, it, it just was. What a contrast. Yeah. They just still didn't, it just didn't work because they wanted me to stay down. They wanted me to be poor and they wanted me to be like sad mm-hmm. and that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Holy. It's, it's such a contrast and having even done so much work with kids teaching, you mm-hmm. hear, you oh. hear mean things. Oh yeah. It breaks my heart. I like, yeah, mm-hmm. can't do it. Well, look at where <laughs> you're at girl. Like I know. look at what you've just shared with us. You have done so many unreal things. You have so many incredible future goals and great oh, yeah. things coming your way. Amazing things. And like, you know, now I have three kids that I've adopted from my sister that I just want that's why I wanted to do the businesses. I just want to be self-sufficient because I want to give them, I just want to give them the life that they deserve. And I also want to be like an inspiration to Mm -hmm. them and to everyone really. And yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What would a, what would a message be from your heart to anyone listening that, you know, has a bit of a vision as to something that they want to do or a goal that they want to chase or business that they want to start? Um, I think I would just say the harder it is and, and the more bleak things look, the more it is the most correct decision you you can be making. If it were easy, everyone would be doing it. So you Chase have it. to just do it. And like, the thing, the thing that turns us mo- most of us away is that we see things on social media and we see things on like on TV and it seems like so easy, so perfect. Everyone's so glamorous and everyone got famous and rich overnight and everything's so easy. Like it, it's not like that at all. So we get discouraged easily because we think like, Oh, we have all of these, you know, hiccups and and, you know, like all these problems. And so it doesn't seem as easy as it, as it appears. So we give up, but really it's always going to be hard. It's always going to be work and it's always going to be something that you have to want so bad that you're willing to do, to, you know, give time, energy, and a lot of dedication to whatever it is that you're dreaming of accomplishing in your life. Mm. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. No, never. What do you think people's biggest misconception is about you? Me? Yeah. Oh man. Um, a lot of times I, you know, there was actually one thing that someone said to me that kind of hurt my feelings recently which is funny, but, um, they said that I wasn't, I was fake. And, um, I was like, well, what does that mean that I'm fake? And I think it's because I'm never angry. I'm never mean. I never tried to hurt anybody. So I guess people, uh, view that as not being a real person. And I just like, I just don't have time to be anything but myself. So if I seem fake to you, maybe it's because you are not real. Like mm-hmm. you, the way you're living your life isn't a real 
perspective on, or isn't the real, I don't know, like everyone has their own version of reality. Like Mm. some people love to be miserable. Some people love to be uncomfortable or they love negativity. So when they view someone who is positive 24 seven, they don't think it's real. And so like my reaction to that was like, well, if I seem fake, then fake is my reality. Like that's who I am. I just can't be, I can't be anything but positive because there's too much negativity in the world already. If I gave in to even a little bit of it, it could just tumbleweed, tumble, Mm -hmm. you know, go down that hill and just turn into a huge boulder and be unstoppable. So yeah, that's the thing. That's why I am like that. And I, I guess what he just, what he was saying, it was, I was actually a friend of mine. He was just saying that I'm not, I'm not real. And it, but do you think that because you're so naturally beautiful and you're tall and you've got long, beautiful hair and because you care about your physical appearance and your health, do you think that because people maybe assume that because, but which is, which is really too bad that there's such a negative, a negative view on that because you put makeup on, but it's not because you're hiding. It's because you love it. I love it. You love yeah. it and you're supporting it. it and it's your yeah. business. It is. It's my business. Like a walking billboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I love it so much. And that's also another thing. Like people are like, um, you're too perfect or you're, you're pretty or you have all of this. I don't know. I don't know. Like, because I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. Like I see like that. I can see why people think I look perfect in the sense that I'd like to take care of myself and, you know, you're not going to see me walk out of my house with my hair in knots and like just not caring about my appearance because not, I'm selling luxury products and I'm selling makeup and selling things and you don't want to buy something from someone who isn't representing it. It's from someone who doesn't stand Mm -hmm. for the brand and look for like they belong to that brand. So you trust them. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, vanity is a slippery slope. It can be – you can go down the slope of, like, uh, butt implants and breast implants, and which I – you know, if that's what you want to do to make yourself happy, I totally support it. Do you. But, you know, that's a slippery slope because then it, you know, kind of borderlines, like, you're unhealthy where you're just not happy with yourself and you're never going to be happy with yourself. So that's why I went more into like natural products and natural cosmetics because I wanted to find something that was more realistic for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like not everyone can get butt and cheek and you know all these implants because it's it's actually not very healthy. Yeah. But um yeah, I don't know beauty is a very tricky business. You know, what is beautiful? What is too much? What is not enough? It's all always about your comfort level. That's also why I think that the authenticity and just being your truest self is is the takeaway. And I had, um, actually going back to an episode that I did with Shay and Sarah from project. She, um, and these girls are just working wonders as well. It's fabulous to sit down with women of all shapes and sizes, Mm -hmm. all backgrounds, all experiences, all types of education, because no matter what someone is or where they've been, everyone has a story. Everyone has insecurities. Everyone is real. Everyone is. And they have to be honored as such. Oh, of course. I like, and I just love that quote, like, you know, be kind because everyone is fighting their own battles. It's just, it could not be more true. Mm -hmm. Everyone is going through something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you, if you just look at the things that you don't like about them and the things that you 
don't want to embrace and then you are actually just deflecting all of that hate you feel all of that resentment you feel towards yourself that's you hating and resenting yourself Mm -hmm. the things you don't like about others is a a mirror a mirror showing you exactly what it is that you are the least proud of in your own life so if you resent beauty if you resent um you know success if you resent people who go after their dreams and you think they're ridiculous or that you know they they have to like you just if you resent those things it just means that you're unhappy that you haven't succeeded in something or you're unhappy that you're not you don't feel beautiful in your own skin mm-hmm. which is actually one of the most common things the most common reason for women to resent other women is it has a lot to do with you know health and beauty like mm-hmm. we resent that because we don't feel healthy and we don't feel beautiful and i think that's why we need um like shining examples people that people can relate to and and find comfort in knowing that they came from somewhere. They had to struggle to get there Mm -hmm. and you can do it too because they did it and, you know, inspiring people. We need to keep lifting each other up. Exactly. And I would say too, because, um, you know, so much of this conversation I think has even been geared towards um, women in particular, because we have talked a lot about Mm -hmm. glam and we've talked about the modeling and your, and your, your, jewelry line is geared towards women. Um, I would say all of this though is regardless, like irregardless of gender. And I think that the biggest shout out to just everybody or the biggest message I think would just be to be you and be kind. (laughs) Yes. Always be kind. Yeah. If you just shine that kindness, I will tell you right now, the most beautiful and the most wealthy and the most powerful people in the world, if you shine, no matter who you are, where you're Mm -hmm. from, what you do, they will be attracted to you. They yeah. will be. They will gravitate towards you because your inner happiness is what everyone seeks. Everyone seeks that inner happiness. Yeah. And so when you, no matter what shape, color, size, gender, whatever you are, if you have that that like comfort in knowing that you're happy with who you are mm-hmm. and you are extremely, you just you'll glow because that energy is there and it's actually more powerful than any physical beauty. Yeah. And you'll, you'll just be so surprised. People will gravitate towards you. Agreed. So that's, that's probably the most powerful thing you can do for yourself is to be happy and to be happy for other people around you because you're so full, you're so full of joy and satisfaction with your own life that you're willing to share that with others. I agree. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Yes. This is the first one I've done. And so <laughs> pretty excited. I'm glad it was the Safe Haven podcast. Yeah, I know. So Well, yeah. I'll be definitely coming down to visit you, whether you're in San Diego or you're still in Bali. Heck or, yeah. Girl. I know. We'll I know. be, we'll we'll be, be together again. again. <laughs> I will leave all of the notes at the bottom of this podcast episode for Color Me Pure, Fuuna, and Moxie and where they can find you on social media as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Safe Haven Podcast. Please make sure that you subscribe, rate, like, share these episodes, and comment as you follow along. Your generous support keeps the sharing and messages coming your way. You can find the Safe Haven Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on Podbean, and you can also follow along on Instagram at the Safe Haven Podcast for the latest updates. I'll talk to you next week.